Welcome to the Milestone Church Podcast. We're in our fall series called Live Well. As we look at biblical principles together, this series will help equip you to live well through the challenges we all face in life. I want to welcome all of you back to this series we've entitled Live Well. I want to welcome those watching online as well as those watching in our 1230 service. This is the second to last installment of this series. Next weekend, I'll be preaching to conclude the series and wrap it all together with some important truths. And yet we've been on quite a journey together talking about how Jesus intersects our lives. That's really what live well means. You kind of think about that old hymn, it is well with my soul. We see that in John 10, 10, Jesus said, I came that you might have life and you might live it to the full. Does that mean we never have challenges or circumstances? No, Jesus, he covered that. He said, in this world, you're going to have tribulations, but be of good cheer for I've overcome the world. And what we've been learning in this series is a couple of things. One, we're learning that Jesus understands us, he knows where we live, and he wants to meet us in our everyday. He wants to show up in where we live every single day and that the principles of scripture and the person of Jesus can meet us in a practical way. The second thing we've learned is that, again, when you read the Bible, the way to make it come alive is that it's not just a bunch of sayings, but it's, it's living, it's alive, it's active, it goes with me to work, it moves in my parenting, my relationship, in my home, it, it touches the deepest part of me. And we've been learning that Jesus talks about living well and he, and he starts with what's happening inside of us and he gives us some of these principles. And so it's been a fantastic series. If you haven't seen the messages, I encourage you to go online and watch some of those as we've been journeying through all these aspects of life, life done Jesus's way. And we're gonna go again this weekend to a practical area of life as we're gonna talk about living well financially. I'm gonna ask if you have your Bibles to turn with me to Matthew chapter six. We're gonna start in verse 19 in this section from a sermon that Jesus gave. I've had it on repeat, by the way, all week, just Matthew five and six. Um, I've been reading it, but also been listening to it. Just as I would go somewhere, I'd just listen to it, man. Nobody's a better preacher than Jesus. Come on now, he can just preach right to you where you live. And uh, in Matthew five and six, he talks about a whole bunch of stuff from spiritual disciplines to when people talk bad about you and how do you deal with this and what is a true disciple and all the, he just, he hits all kinds of things. And in the middle of it, he, he comes around this theme of our, of our lives with money. I find myself talking about money a lot with my kids. I find that our world today has so many opinions and so many ideas. It's one of the top narratives in our culture. So I find myself talking with my kids a lot about this area of life. Uh, and, and the other day I had such a cool thing happen. It was pretty amazing. I was driving down the road and my youngest, Lainey Kate, out of nowhere, she said, Daddy, I love you. I said, baby girl, what do you want for Christmas? How much money do you want? Any dads of daughters out there you think you're in charge, you're not. They have you wrapped around their finger, right? The boys never call, they never talk. But the girls, come on, dads of daughters. The daughters have a place. So there she was, daddy, I love you, ooh. I thought I would test her a little bit though. 
I said, Lainey Kate, you love me, but one day you will leave me. Daddy, I will never leave you. I said, oh, oh yeah, yeah, it's going to happen. You're going to drag an old hairy leg brother up in here. I'm not going to be into him that much. But he's going to take you, and you're going to leave me, and you're going to go off and start your own family. And so she sat there for like, I don't know, what seemed like an hour, what was probably like seven minutes. And she was just pondering it and just thinking about it. And I'm just driving, watching her face, and she's thinking about it. And finally she goes, Daddy, I got an idea. I, I tell you what, I, I won't leave you. I'll get the boy, and then we'll just move in with you. I said, no, 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 that's, that's not going to work, baby girl. Um, it doesn't work that way. In all seriousness, I find myself with my youngest to my oldest. I have two in college now. And quite honestly, I, I feel a little challenged because my children, like lots of you, my children live in a little bit different reality than I grew up in. And so I'm I don't want them to be entitled. I don't want them to not really know how the world works. I don't want them uh, to not understand money. And so I find myself a lot trying to convey principles of how the world works, how real, more, more importantly, how Jesus sees money. And, and, I, and I find myself wondering sometimes, is, is it taking? Is, are they getting this, right? Like, no, 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 this is how it works. That's not how it works. This is how it works. So I, I find that. And so I thought this weekend in a Live Well series, I, I might just share with you some things that I tell my own kids. I, I believe if I'm gonna share this in my home, then I probably should share it with the people I love and the people that I, I pastor. And the, the facts are, this, these are not mind-blowing statistics. I could get these any place, anywhere. 85% of Americans say they sometimes feel stressed about money. It's an area we all have felt pressure and stress. 30% say they're constantly stressed. It never goes away. And the biggest reason is 66% of adults, no matter how much money they make, still feel like they live sort of paycheck or income to income and they have no reserve, so they find themselves constantly stressed about it. I, I know it's an area that people are concerned with. Again, that's, that's not rocket science, right? That's, that's like, you're like, okay. Sometimes I put a statistic on the screen, you're like, huh. This one, you're like, yeah. The sky's blue, summers in Texas are hot, the cowboys let us down. I mean, it's just like, okay. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Okay, preacher, yeah, yeah, I got you, yeah, yeah. It's an area where people struggle. Uh, we have in our staff meetings, we pray over every prayer request. A couple of weeks ago, I, I don't always know what prayer request I'm gonna get because our team, we're having this prayer time and they just, at the end, we pass them all out and we literally, we'll get in groups or individually, we'll literally just take those prayer requests and pray over people in our church. And so I got a card and I don't, I don't know who the, this person is. I, I, I've never met this person and I turn it over on the back to the prayer request and they had like two or three things regarding finances. So I just spent some time there praying for them. It's pretty common in many years of ministry that people are struggling in this area. And so I find that people are in, in, in maybe one of a few categories. You may be doing great. I promise you there's something for you this weekend, even if you feel like you're doing pretty good, because Jesus still challenges all of us in this area. All of us will be challenged. I've been personally challenged personally this week by the words of Jesus that I'm about to read to you. 
personally, and I'm the one sharing the message. So we all are, are in different places. Here's the first place some of you are. There's a lot of you that you're just unaware. You, you know, you're just unaware. You maybe have heard a cultural narrative like, uh, you know, the preacher, you know, shouldn't talk about money. Well, there's hundreds of verses in the Bible on money. Jesus talked about it. By the way, that's what you're talking about, right? That's what you talk about. How do, I, how do I get a better job? How do I get a better salary? How do I handle this? When are we gonna buy that? What are we gonna do for this? How are we gonna get our retirement funded? The entire election narrative over the next little while, everybody's gonna be talking about the economy. That's money. So everybody's talking about it. The question is, are we aware of what Jesus says about it? Do we know what the Bible says about it? And I wanna be honest, I'm not here this weekend really to grapple with or even fight with or argue with religious people that have excused themselves from the dialogue. I wanna tell you, we have a lot of young families in this church. We have a lot of people, no matter where you're at, if you'll have the heart of a child, you can let Jesus speak to you, but I wanna talk to some of you, you maybe did not have a dad, you maybe didn't have a pastor, you didn't have a coach, you didn't have anyone go, like there's some principles, let me share them with you. So you're a little bit unaware and you just sort of went into this thing called life and you had all these challenges related to money and dollars but no one ever told you the solutions or the answers. So some of you are unaware, some of you are unaware. Others of you have financial challenges. Some of you are facing financial challenges and I realize where you're at, because you've had financial challenges, you come and when a pastor talks about money, you think the primary motive is to, to get you to give and maybe you've been in a setting where there's been improper settings related to that and so you, have, you feel guilty, you feel condemned, you feel like, well, wait a minute, I'm having challenges. We wanna help you here at Milestone regarding that. We've had over a thousand people in the last few years go through stewardship training right here at Milestone Church. We have 120 people right now being trained with God's principles, God's plans, budget coaches. We wanna help you if you have financial challenges. You don't have to stay where you are. God can help you get to his plan for you in this area of your life. We have generous people, in fact, that take care of the cost if people complete it because even here at Milestone, a lot of what we do, we try not to charge for almost anything. Why? Because we want you to come and receive and grow. We want more for you than we want from you. We really do, okay? Another area is improper appeals. As I said, maybe a church is having financial challenges and you've been in a setting where you could tell the pastor's preaching for the offering. Uh, we're not in a financial challenge at Milestone. We have a team that stewards money really well. You guys are awesome and you get a lot of what I'm talking about. So this is not about that, and yet there may have been some improper appeals. You may have seen something that's like, whoa, that feels manipulative, that doesn't feel healthy, and I wanna tell you what I tell my kids. We're never gonna let the unhealthy keep us from God's plan for our life. I mean, people just get so stirred up about unhealthy things that they never experience the things God has for them because they spend all their energy worried about the people who are doing it unhealthy. We're not gonna let that be the focus. By the way, we're not giving to a preacher. We're not, we, we give in the local church because we believe the local church is God's plan, but we're not even giving to a church. We're doing this for Jesus. So we wanna know what he thinks. Improper appeals. We've been trapped by it. Here's the fourth, extreme positions. What'll happen is if you get hurt, you go through things, if you don't process that well, 
you'll get in what I call one of two ditches in this area of your life. There's been improper things and extremes. Like, you know, if you get God on your team, then I'll tell you this, you know, you'll never have a financial challenge. It's up and to the right. And, you know, you're just going to be rich. Can I, can I inform all of you listening to me today? We are rich. <laughs> Most of you got here in a car. You, we're rich. When you look at the global world population, we are very, very extremely, extremely blessed by God. The Bible says every good and perfect gift comes from our God, and he has been good to us. He has been very good to us. But there is this narrative that says, okay, well, if you'll just do it, God, then you just, you know, it's up and to the right, never have a problem, and we can turn God into someone we manipulate. That's not healthy. It's not healthy. But there's another ditch. And the other ditch is that we sort of use scriptural gymnastics to excuse ourselves from growing in the areas of generosity and finances. And really, a lot of times, it's just hurt. It's hurt, and so we, we excuse ourselves from the process and we almost glorify not growing in this area and we glorify the wrong things and the narrative just gets like not healthy, not healthy, okay? You may be in one or all of those. Let me also say Jesus talked about money a lot, but money wasn't his main narrative. He was only using what they were talking about in his day, just like we're talking about in our day, to touch the heart. The main message and the main purpose of the life of Jesus was, but yet it kind of has like some economic language around it. Let, let me give it to you. There were a group of people who were bankrupt. They had zero in their spiritual account. They were needy and they were taking and they were selfish and they were separated from their God. And the Bible says that God sent his son Jesus as a payment for the debt these people could never pay. Jesus comes as a gift to us. We just sang that. You know, it, it, it's, it's, it, what, what changes your perspective about God is what we were just worshiping and saying, okay, I will never know the cost of your life, payment. And then he says, no payment necessary on your part, it's a gift, it's a gift, paid in full, it is finished. Aren't you glad we just, we serve a generous, benevolent, loving God who met us in our poverty of spirit condition and came to us and met our needs through the person of Jesus Christ. That will evoke gratefulness and a different spirit in your hearts when you really know it at a deep level. That's Jesus's message. Let's go into some of his teaching though in Jesus's sermon recorded right here in the word of God. It says in verse 19, do not store up for yourself treasures on earth. Now, now I don't, I, I, there are just certain things in the Bible if you read it long enough, every time you read it, it messes with you. This book right here is like an equal opportunity offender. It'll just straight up get in your grill. I, I listened to this 20 times this week, and every time I'm like, Lord, what are you trying to say to me about that? I, I, I need to understand that more. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. Lord, show me how much or what does it look like to have my storage in line with your heart? 
We've got a lot of storage in our culture, a lot of stuff, a lot, lot going on. Lord, what, Lord, what of it? Tell, talk to me about this, Lord. Does that mean we get rid of everything we have and we don't make provision? Look, no, that's, that's not a holistic understanding of what Jesus is saying. What he's saying is, you ever heard the phrase that you can be so heavenly minded, you're no earthly good? Like you don't understand how to live it out today and you know, we could just get weird and just, just not have an understanding of stewardship that Jesus gives us. I, I, I think though, but sometimes we can be so earthly minded, we don't have Jesus's heart. There's an eternal picture here. It's not just about the sweet by and by, but it is about an eternal message. It's about the message of the gospel. It's about the heart of God. And so that, 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 that messes with us, right? Like we got it all stored up. Anybody getting a little bit older? You got it all in order, your little stuff. I don't know where your little stuff is, but I bet you have something that you have like you want it. Let me paint the picture for you. Your kids are gonna come take all of that, <laughs> sell it, give it away, violate it, mess it up. My grandmother grew up in the depression. She had her stuff in order because she had fear of losing the stuff because she had lived in a time when there wasn't much stuff. And she saved aluminum foil and she saved little plastic butter dishes to eat cereal out of. And she had all her stuff. She passed away. Everyone came in got rid of her stuff. The house was in disarray. I'll never forget walking in her house. I felt an eerie presence, because she was a strong woman. And I thought, if she comes back from the dead right now, we're in trouble. Because all your stuff gets messed with. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Why did Jesus talk about her money, possessions, and things? Because our hearts follow them. Our hearts go down that path. I love this verse, by the way. This is one of my favorite in the Bible right here. And it's tucked right in around this narrative of Jesus' message. And, and I love it because it speaks of perspective. When, when, I'm, when I'm working on a message, by the way, the, the, the scripture part, you get that, and God's working on you, the points are always hard. So you're like, how do I make this practical, what's being said here? And I, my favorite word is perspective. And so I try to make myself not use perspective for a few times, right? Because I love perspective, because that's really what the Word of God does to us. It goes, you're thinking about it this way, but you got that off the internet. You're thinking about that this way because your dad told you this, I want you to see it my way. Look what he says, the eyes is the lamp of the body. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If that light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? What is he saying? We have a propensity toward deception. We have a propensity to focus on the wrong things. What you focus on, you get full of. He's like, you gotta have the right perspective here on this subject. And in context, here's what he's talking about. No one can serve, you could even put the word worship. No one can worship two masters. Either you'll hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve, you cannot worship, you can't make the main priority both God and money. So what is Jesus saying to us? He makes it clear. You can't avoid this area of your life and grow in your relationship with God. So I would just simply appeal to you today, if you wanna live well in this area of your life, do you allow God to speak to you on a consistent basis about this subject? 
probably one of the most compartmentalized areas of our culture. It's like, okay, God, I'll know more Bible, I'll quote more Bible, I'll do more good stuff, I'll kind of try to be spiritual, but like over here, no, 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 you don't, don't, don't challenge me there, because I got this over here to the side, okay? You, you just have to determine, God, you can talk to me about this area of my life. You can speak to me in this area of my life. I wanna give you three things I believe as I look at a holistic understanding of scripture and Jesus, three things I tell my own children, three things that I try to practice, three areas I wanna give it to you today. And I wanna say once again, this weekend's message to the Milestone family is not corrective. It's not corrective, it's instructional and it's challenging to all of us, but it's not corrective. You're sitting in one of the most generous churches in America, always has been. This church is very generous. You guys are growing. Over a thousand of you taking steps to grow in this area. So you can't do fairy tale balls where you put on everything and serve children with life-threatening illnesses. You can't take and say to veterans, any veteran, look, we wanna help your kids go to camp. We're gonna pay for everything related to that. You can't help everyone go through financial peace. You can't resource people. You can't you know, clear code violations at the city. You can't do a hundred and something projects on serve day. You can't do that stuff unless you have a generous group of people like you. So I'm honored to be your pastor. Thank you for your generosity. And yet, I wanna look at some things that the Bible instructs us so that we can continue to grow and live well in this area. Number one, money is spiritual. Money really is spiritual, okay? It's not just static principles, and it's not just paper with presidents. It's not just an account you pull up with numbers. When you start understanding that God's bigger than the numbers on the page, then you start getting God's cooperation in what you're doing, okay? Nothing wrong with the numbers. Any of you that are numbers people, you're really into the numbers. The danger for you is you can worship the numbers and not God, okay? So the numbers are important and stewardship is important because you have to take those numbers and you have to be able to steward them. And money, when I say it's spiritual, I'm not saying it's evil. At some level it's amoral, but our hearts regarding it can get led astray. Money can be very, very awesome, it's a great tool. We can clothe ourselves, we can take care of our children, we can feed ourselves, we can help others, we can serve others. So I'm not saying money is evil, what I am saying is it has a, a spiritual tie. You go, why do you say that? Jesus said it. Where your treasure is, the deepest part of you, the worshiping part of you, the heart part of you is connected to it. So it has a a tendency, if we're not careful, if we don't keep our heart in the right place, it can lead us past what the Bible encourages. Take the word content. Content. Fulfilled. Content. I'm content with my God. I'm grateful for what I have. Content. See, that's a good place to be. The Apostle Paul says, I've learned to be content with a little. I've learned to be content with a lot. Can I tell you from my experience, there are people who are not content with a little and there are people that are not content with a lot. Why? Because money is spiritual. And it wants to lead us past contentment to other words like greed. Greed is when I say if I had more of it, then I'd be more content. Greed is I'll violate my integrity to get more of it. I'll compromise my values to get more of it because it is the goal. So money wants to move me out of that. Money wants to move me towards fear. Because what do I want? I want security. Let me give you another encouragement. I've lived a little bit. I've pastored a lot of people. There is no number in an account that will make you feel secure. 
There is no number. I've never met a person go, there's enough now, I feel good. There's no number. There's no number. Because money wants to lead me toward fear. Verses of scripture like, my God shall supply all of my needs. He'll take care of me. He's my provider. So it wants to move you though to a place of fear. And really, if you really get down to the very bottom line to honoring God with money, it's a fear and trust and obedience thing. It's just simply going, I'm not gonna let my fears move me past trusting my God and trusting his word. So I'm just gonna stay in that place with you, God. I'm gonna worship you. Money is spiritual. Number two, money can be handled with biblical principles. I don't have time to give you all these biblical principles. There's some great ones in here. There's some great ones in here. A wise man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. The hand of the diligent will see God's hand and favor in their life. So working hard is a principle of God. Handling things with integrity, having just weights and scales. All of these things, God begins to show up in our lives when we operate according to his principles. Everything about how we handle it, so there, it can be handled with biblical principles. We just have to be willing to say, okay, God, I, I wanna do it your way. I wanna give you just a real practical, because I wanna talk to some of you that are unaware and you say, well, Jeff, what do you tell your kids? This week, one of my children came home late at night. We started talking about it. Money goes where you direct it, okay? So it's amoral, but when I get my heart right, I start directing it God's way. This is what I've done my whole life. This is what I believe scripture teaches. So I teach my children. First of all, I tithe. I tithe, why? I see it before the law. It's not about a law. I don't, I don't do things for my God based on some law that I'm afraid of God's judgment in my life. I see it pre the law, I see it a principle. I see it in Leviticus is holy. I see a principle of first fruits in Proverbs. I see Jesus affirm it in Matthew 23, 23. I see Malachi 3 as a great principle passage. And a lot of times we get off here. Let me teach you on this. Malachi 3, you should go read it. Talks about, look, you're taking from me in this area bring the whole tithe into the storehouse and see if I will not open the windows of heaven. And it talks about when we don't do that, these challenges come. And a lot of times in messages, pastors get into like, you know, the devil will break your washing machine and you know, go, we, we, get a, we get a little bit out of the bigger narrative. Can I be real transparent with you why I tithe? Is the greater narrative in this prophetic book is that you actually see God say, because you won't trust me with something as simple as this, tithe, 10%, it means 10, just simple, just, just simple. We may get, some people overthink it. When I get to heaven, I don't think Jesus is gonna go, Jeff, you took this too serious. You just wanted to please me too much. Because you wouldn't do this, the foreign nations say it's vain to worship your God. It was really a heart thing. It's a heart thing. So I teach my children that, and I'm, I, as a lifelong tither, I've never met a person who goes, Man, I wish I wouldn't have done that. And the other reason you go, why, do, why does God do that? Because every time at, at my personal account, the first fruits go to God, it reminds me every single month, he is first in my life. It reminds me, it's a reminder, it's a principle that reminds me, yes, Lord, I worship you and I honor you with this. The second thing is avoid consumer debt. The Bible gives some wisdom about debt and there can be good debt, there can be bad debt, but just consumer debt is really a product many times of living beyond your means. Can I, can I encourage some of you young people, you can't have what your parents took 20 or 30 years to get 
overnight unless you take all those applications they give you in college and charge up your credit cards and you end up with high percentage rates that can take a long time to pay off. Avoid consumer debt, but why do we get into consumer debt? Because we, don't, we lack the discipline to be content and grateful and we live beyond our means. Here's the next thing, save for the future. This is just a simple, sim- very simple I know, and some of you are like, it's way simple, but man, based on the amount of prayer requests and people that I work with, we need more simple. 10% to God, I honor you with this. 10% to savings, and the 80% now becomes what I'm, I live. Now God owns all of that, but it, it begins to be what I live within my means, and even with the 80%, I now have the opportunity to be generous. By the way, if you don't, if you don't settle the tithe thing, because some of you say, well, I don't know about the tithe, uh, and, I, and you kind of are like, I don't know if I should do that. Well, look, most people who have used biblical gymnastics to get out of the tithe, you're way beyond 10% anyway, so, so I'm not, you're, you're way past it. But if you don't ever settle that in your life, you don't feel generous because you're hedging in that area. By the way, all of these things are the floor now God begins to take you to a new place. And when you get in that place where you're right with God, and I'm not wanting you to feel condemned, I'm not wanting you to feel, what I do want you to do is just go, I'm gonna settle that, that's easy math. Bam, I'm getting past that. Why even worry about it anymore? Then you get past it. Then the 80% begins to be, I wanna find a way to be generous this week with all of it in multiple ways. Blessings to my family, blessings with my children, but ways that you can honor God with all of it. Because here's the final thing. Money is not evil, it's a tool. It's a tool God gives us so we can be generous. It's a tool to be generous with. And so, here here, here you go, Jeff, wait a minute, I wanna be generous. By the way, everybody wants to be generous. Everybody wants to be. And by the way, we love people that are generous. How many of y'all love generous? I love generous people. Now, one of my spiritual gifts is giving, so I, I just love to give to people. I just love when people, you know, I'm not talking about give them something you don't want. It's just awesome to see people. Generous people are, are awesome. That's what I say. The, we, we don't want to compare ourselves among ourselves because a lot of times when I'm doing an evangelistic message, I'll say, we call ourselves in a good spiritual place based on the people around us, so that's why you need a good heathen friend. You're like, Lord, I know I'm making mistakes, but this brother's off the reservation. And if you, if you think you're generous but don't really want to be generous, all you need is a stingy friend. Come on, y'all know who I'm talking about. When the check comes out, they get dinosaur arms. Y'all know what I'm saying? You're like, I don't know anybody like that. You may be that person now, I'm just telling you, okay? You know that just person rubbed the face off a nickel. You know what I'm saying? Just gets you one of them good stingy friends and you'll be like, I'm the most generous person on the planet. By the way, we're not measuring ourselves against any other person, really we say to God, God, I wanna be generous because when I'm generous, I look a lot like you. What keeps us from growing? There's some of you go, Jeff, I've got a lot of the stuff you're talking about. You know what? No matter where you're at with God, every year we should be growing in our generosity with God. If we say we're mature, then we can't extract this from the maturity conversation because this is part of the heart and the walk with God. So we all can be, as I've been challenged, we all can be. And you know when I find myself 
not cooperating with God's spirit because we, we are children of God and we're led by spirit, I find myself a lot of times, I've been trapped in one of these, I've been trapped somewhere and I gotta get my perspective right. I, I work on it with my kids since they were little, we have ice cream Fridays. And, and so I, when I stop, you know, we just order these big deals of ice cream and when it comes through to me, I test their, 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 you know, it's so amazing how we think there's a little bit and I test, so I take a little bit, right? And they're back in the back. Ah! I take a tithe. I take an offering just because they're whining. Then I take alms. I take donations to the poor. I take a mission project. As long as they're crying, I'm just continuing, right? I'm just gonna keep doing it. Now, my kids are too old, they know the game, so now I do it on the staff kids. Pastor Blake's son, Judah, me and him, I love him, man. He's a little brother, he can come find me and I always got some kind of candy or cookies to give him. And I had cookies the other day. I had a bag of cookies. He pastor, he comes up to me, I, I open him up, I say, now you gotta give the man of God the tithe. He's like, ah, and he thinks I'm gonna eat them all. Then I take another little offering and he doesn't know I would give him four bags of cookies. By the way, he's not my kid. I'll sugar him up and send him home to Blake. <laughs> I'd be giving, I mean, it's such, a, it's such a principle, that's why Jesus uses the faith of a child. We think there's not enough. It's a, it's a concept of zero sum. Oh, there's just a little bit. No matter how big your pile is, God's pile is always bigger. I wanna show you this video just as we close. We had moved to Louisiana. I had almost 17 years with the company at that time, and the company decided to lay off a lot of the senior guys, and I was one of them. Kathy had already been praying about being a home mother, and when I got transferred over there, that was an answered prayer for that. So I thought, well, this is where God wants us. And now, I've been laid off. During that time, we really had some soul searching to do, just really asking God, well, where do I go from here? From a tiny kid, not only was it being modeled for me to tithe, but it was also by my mother modeled to believe the Word and memorize the Word. The scripture that I kept clinging to is 1 John 5, 14 and 15 that says, this is the confidence that we have in approaching God, that whatever we ask of Him, according to His will, He hears us. And we just decided from the very beginning, you know what, this check is gonna stay the same. If we go down, we're going down tithing. We want a job making that much, so we're gonna keep tithing what we've been tithing. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding in all your ways. Acknowledge Him, and He will direct your path. And the month before we would have been out of money, his old company that had laid him off contracted with him, paying him like over twice what they had been, which more than covered monthly bills, insurance, everything. Talk about answered prayer. Belief in Christ is belief in the Word. And since then, we've had some other challenges in our life. We're far from perfect, but we don't back down from it. We're not gonna let something scare us into thinking that a God who has always provided for us exactly would all of a sudden decide he's not going to. Whenever I have a certain situation, because I have a lot of scripture memorized, I can think of how it would relate to that situation or that predicament. To me, it's like going into a candy store. Eat it up, taste and see that the Lord is good. 
we aren't problem free. We've had some struggles, but we know where to take those struggles. Exactly. I guess that gives us a lot of confidence now that even as we're in senior years now, that we're like, but God, we have a history with God. One thing I've done is I made a little, a three by five card. I have scriptures written in there and I try to spend some time each week going through those because especially as you get older, it's gonna be harder to remember. On the front's the scripture, but on the back, I'll have the time and the reason maybe that I put that scripture out. The value of hiding God's word in your heart is a protection for you. If I don't get in the word, I've noticed a huge difference in my walk, in the way I relate to people, in the way I take things they may say to me, and just from even little things that happen to me, I may have a totally different attitude. Well, every time you obey Him, and I don't mean just tithing, but every time you obey Him in your thoughts, in your actions, you grow closer, and the voice of discernment becomes louder and louder, more clear and more clear so that you know this is the way walking in. Mm -hmm. You can teach your child to throw a baseball. You can teach your child to go fish, but teaching them the Word of God is like the ultimate because that's what's gonna really direct their lives. Just take one step. Try to read your Bible, you know, start in John, maybe start in, in Psalms, but just read your Bible a little bit every day. And if a scripture jumps out at you, write it down. Go back to it and meditate on it. See what God's speaking exactly. to you. And obey what He says because obedience brings blessing. You say thank you to Whit and Kathy. I, I, I don't know about you, but I want, I want to know their God. That's the God I want to know. I just love that phrase that to know Christ is to believe his word, right? You're trusting in, it's really, maturity is just that simple. Your word says it, being led by your spirit, I wanna do what you say, Lord. That's what I wanna do. And so we can grow this weekend in spiritual maturity by not compartmentalizing this area of our lives and uh, get our eyes clear get them clear on what Jesus is saying. I'm gonna ask you if you'd bow your heads with me. I know there's some of you, you, you need, when I said, here's Jesus's main message, he just maybe uses money in his little message to us and sermon there, he just uses that to get really to the heart. And you say, I didn't know Jesus made the payment, I thought I had to do something, fix something. No, the Bible says that we are dead in trespasses and sins. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But Jesus is the gift. Jesus is the gift that makes an exchange. That's what happened on the cross. You say, I'm not right with him, then you can right where you are say, Jesus. You just make it your own words. Jesus, I come to you like I am. I come to you broken. I come to you in a place where I can't make the payment. I can't make it right. But Jesus, thank you for your sacrifice. I believe you died for me on the cross. I believe you rose from the dead and I receive you today into my heart and into my life. 
If you prayed that prayer, I'm gonna ask you to let us know. Maybe come forward at the end of the service. Come to Discovery 101, whatever it might be, so that we can help you now start taking spiritual next steps. But I wanna pray for a second group of us. All of us, including the one praying the prayer. Lord, give us your eternal perspective. Lord, give us a, a soft, tender, trusting heart. Lord, help us. In our culture today, Lord, in the world we live in, Lord, in our current context, right, where I preach this message, you've been so good to us. Lord, help us to trust you in your word. Lord, help us to, to mature, to grow, to become more like what you're asking us to be. And Lord, we ask even this week for opportunities to be generous in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If there's anything we can do to help you in your walk with Jesus, please don't hesitate to reach out through our website at milestonechurch.com. And if you found this podcast helpful, leave a review on the podcast app or your favorite podcast platform. We hope you have a great week.